What's going on, creation? Y'all ready to get started? I know it might be hot, and I know it might be a little muggy, but you know what? We're still here together, and that's all that matters, right? That's all that matters, right? Can I see somebody smile? I know I'm smiling. If I'm smiling, you can smile. That's good. That's good to sound man smiling. All right, let's just pray. Father, we thank you we can be here. We just thank you, Lord God, for your anointing. We thank you that uh, we could be here as believers, just making one another better. We thank you for community. We thank you that uh, we're able to spend this, these four or five days together, sharpening and getting closer to you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Everybody said? Amen. All right, so listen, listen. Today I just want to talk to you. Uh, Luke chapter 1, verse 37 says this. It says, faith does not make things easy, but it does make things possible. And what do you do when you live a life where things don't always appear the way, you, the, the way that, that you need them to appear, but yet you believe something that you want to appear? Um, the title of today's message, uh, when they asked me for a title, is that opposition can wind up being opportunity. A lot of times we look at the stuff that goes on around us, and the problem is when it's negative. Or if it's nasty, or if, it's, or if it involves hatred, or unforgiveness, or bitterness, when the stuff on the outside of us gets on the inside of us, it begins to change who we are. And we always have control on what gets on the inside of us. Um, I just want to share this one thought as I open. I've learned, I should say, I am learning to continue to grow in my ability to allow forgiveness to take place in my life. If we receive forgiveness from Christ, we should be able to give forgiveness to others. But what I learned from a young man to a little bit older man, <laughs> I like that, <laughs> from a young man to a little bit older man, is that I used to think that forgiveness and trust were the same issue. And I put them together because I thought if I forgave you, I had to trust you. And what I've learned in life is forgiveness is something that I give myself so that what happened yesterday doesn't happen again today. Or let me say it a more direct way. What you did yesterday, I didn't allow it to affect me today. And I used to think that someone had to apologize to me for me to be able to forgive them. But I've learned that's all not true. I've learned forgiveness is my choice, and it's me taking my power back. Trust is something they have to earn. Forgiveness is something that I can give because it sets me free. And I look back over life and over ministry, and we all, how many people have had disappointments? Come on, raise your hand. How many people have had people stab themselves in the back? Come on. How many people had the people, you know, the, the closer the relationship, the more we need to work on it. The closer the relationships we have, the more it requires grace and mercy and hope and understanding and patience. But you know what? The way, if we allow every relationship to change us for the worst, then we can never become our best. And we have to look and realize that opposition can become an opportunity. And so I want you to do that today. And the reason why, it, it's this simple. When we become, I said this last night, when we become obedient, our storms become obedient. You know, I love uh, reading that story in the Bible. I hear all different preachers go around and talk about, you know, Jesus walking on the water, Peter walking on the water, all these different people doing these miracles. And they, every preacher tells it a different way. But what I've learned in life is if you want your circumstance to come under the authority and the power of, of God and the anointing that God has rested upon you, if you want God to take over your situation, then you got to learn to become obedient. Because when you become obedient, your storms become obedient. Uh, last night I made this statement that uh, I've carried this Bible for the last 25 years, 20, 24 and a half years. Every single miraculous, extraordinary thing that God did in this Bible 
Before every extraordinary uh, a move of God, there was an extraordinary act of obedience. Before God did anything miraculous, somebody who had to, had, the, had to add the ingredients of obedience into it. Being obedient is tough. Um, I got a puppy last year. I did not want to get a puppy because we already had a dog. His name was, well, I don't want to. If I tell you something, you're not going to tell nobody, right? This is between us and the worship tent, right? Okay, so here it is. When my kids were younger, we got a dog. That dog is now 13. My kids named him. He's a Bichon. You ever see that commercial with the dog food and it says, your dog has the spirit of a wolf? Not my dog. My dog is three pounds and white. You hear what I'm talking about? And, and my kids named him Sparky Star. Y'all hear me? There's nothing vicious about Sparky Star. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And then last year, after having a dog for 12 years, he's now 13, we decided to get, it's called a Labradoodle. But he seems to be more Labra than Doodle. Do y'all hear what I'm talking about? His brother's 16 pounds, but he's 81 pounds. Okay, I know sometimes when you go and they scoop out your french fries at McDonald's, you want the lady who's given extra french fries. You don't want that when you get a puppy. You hear what I'm talking about? And so I got this dog, and, and he, he's more Labrador, Labrador than he is Poodle. And we, he was in our yard for like five minutes, and he dives in my pool, and he's swimming around. And then he scratched my liner, and I had to fix my liner. And I realized that day that was the birth of something that I'm not going to like, okay? And I got this dog, and I didn't expect. And there's, there's a difference now. And I want you to pay attention. You might not like this illustration, but it's, it's the truth. There's some things about truth you just got to accept. When Spark, well, my do, the Labradoodle's name, his name is Seymour. The other dog's name is Sparky Star. When Sparky Star goes to the bathroom, it's little. When Seymour goes to the bathroom, it's not little. Do y'all hear what I'm talking about? And I had to buy another, it's a machine to go around and pick up this stuff. And I got to do it. It's not like Sparky Star where he was little and it would disintegrate and go away. This is a big dog, so he's leaving me big problems. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And what do you do? What do you do? Here's the problem. I got kids. My kids' friends come over. Now, all of a sudden, because of Seymour, if they come over to play and run in the yard, I got to be equipped. Because I got to go around and make sure everything that needs to be picked up is picked up. Because you know what happens, right? There ain't nothing worse than having to clean your kids' feet off. You know what I'm talking about? There's nothing worse sitting outside with a toothpick cleaning out their sneakers. You hear what I'm talking about? It's the worst thing. And it stinks. Say it with me. Say it stinks. And opposition stinks. Problems stink. But you know what? If you allow it to become a way for growth, if you allow it to become a funnel for your ability to raise up a standard in your life, because every time we encounter controversy or opposition, it's going to bring either the worst or the best out of us. And I'm here to tell you, you know what? People around you will notice if it brings out your best or if it brings out your worst. But most of all, you notice. You know when you go somewhere and you act up and you put on an attitude, you know it's wrong. And it doesn't matter how many times you talk in the mirror and how many times you try to justify it to your friends, you still have to lay down alone and realize, did I give my best or give my worst? And I'm here today to tell you that inside of each of us, we have the opportunity to give our very, very best. I learned in life that you don't have to be the best, you just got to do your best. I've learned in life that that's all anyone could ever expect from you. 
In fact, in a world where you can do anything you want and in a country where you can become anything you want, all you've got to do is strive to be who God's called you to be. I share this often when I speak in public schools. For those of you who don't know what we do, you, you've heard Reggie Daz before. We work together and <clears throat> other guys that are part of the Youth Alliance, the organization I work with. We go into communities. I met lots of people here. We were in your schools. We go into a city or a town or a borough. We do every student from 12th grade down to kindergarten in school assemblies, and then we host a family night just talking about values, the way we treat each other. How many of you would agree that life is hard enough without anybody else tearing you down, right? Right? In fact, there's one of the principals. We just did his town last year, Dan Cartwright from Hamilton Township. And so we go into communities and we do school districts. And the whole idea is families. Do you know why I do this? I do it for the dad that came up to me when I was in Glassboro, New Jersey, and said, you know what? My daughter hasn't said she loved me in two years, but she did tonight. I do it for the kid that walks up and rolls up their sleeves and says, I hurt so bad on the inside that I cut myself on the outside, but I'm finding purpose for my inside. I do it for the person who wants to stop taking something to realize who they are because they realize what they need is already on the inside of them. They just got to draw it out. Because what we do is we look at life's attacks and life's dramas and life's opposition and we say, you know what? It's ruining for where I can go. And it doesn't have to be that way. It can actually become your platform. Um, I was probably in my late 30s. This is going to be tough for some of you to hear this. But uh, I have no problem with being transparent because I am not the best speaker you're going to hear at creation. I'm not the best speaker you're going to hear in your life. And guess what? I don't need to be the best speaker. All I need to do is do my best. That's all anyone can ask of me. I'm good in my own skin. I'm good at who God has called me to be. The question is, and you know what? And I'm still pursuing it. You know what? The biggest thing is I shared last night when I was taking the offering that I remember coming here when I was a kid. And you know what? I never wanted this job. This microphone thing, the speaking thing, the responsibility, leadership stuff, I never wanted it. You want to know why? Because I knew God wasn't done transforming me yet. And can I tell you something? At 47 years old, God's still transforming me. And I want you to know that God will use you why he's transforming you. God will use you while he's growing you. And can I tell you, it doesn't matter if you're 7 or you're 70. You know what? If you can hear God's voice, everything can change. Revelation chapter 1 verse 12 says this, this guy John the Revelator, it says he was walking, and he was old, I mean old, old. You know like, the, you know like that person in your church that's just super old, they talk about being there when they built it, you know everybody in your church got that, right? And, 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 and this guy was old, he had been there, he had seen the manifestations of Christ's miracles, he's seen all these different things. John the Revelator says he's walking in verse 12, Revelation chapter 1. I usually don't preach out of Revelation because I, I don't understand it. So here's the deal, here's the deal, here's the deal. Uh, he's walking, and it says in verse 12, he heard the voice of the Lord. I do understand this. He was walking, and he heard God's voice. He was old, in retirement, on Social Security, and it says he heard God's voice. And you know what he did? He turned around. He didn't say, I'm tired. He didn't say, I've already checked out. He didn't say, I've already took a promotion. He didn't say, I moved into the retirement community. He didn't have an excuse. When he heard God call, he answered. And that's all we ever have to do is become obedient to the voice of God. Because when you become obedient to the voice of God, everything in your, in your life has to become obedient to the voice of God. So if you're responding to his voice and his calling and his leading, that means even your problems have to be obedient to him. That's good stuff. You should clap for the preacher. That's good. Okay? I shouldn't have to tell you to clap, but that's okay. 
So here's the deal. Here's the deal. So as I'm going through this thing, and I'm trying to discover this, I'm probably hit about 36 years old, 36, 37 years old. I remember writing a letter. I'm not a journaler. I usually don't do this. But I was overwhelmed because I, 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 I just ha my kids are getting towards their teenage years at that time. I'm having to take care of three children, two boys and a girl, Primo, Alana, and Vito. That's my kids. If you, ha you saw Vito on the RV screen, that's my little boy. My other son's name is Primo. He's here, and I got a daughter, Alana. Obviously, with names like Primo and Vito, you can tell that I'm Italian. But, my, but, 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 but their mom is Jewish, so that means we eat out all the time, but I have to pay. But that's another problem, okay? And uh, so, so <laughs> yeah, I'll let the kids won't get that, but the adults did. So here's the deal. And so I'm, I'm having all this pressure because now all of a sudden I'm a dad, I'm in ministry, I'm traveling, there's the demands of all these different things. And you know what? I'm learning that God was still using me even though he was transforming me. I used to think I had to have everything together. And if everything was in a certain place and everything had a system and all this stuff had down, and you know what I wasn't leaving room for? I wasn't leaving room for the Holy Spirit. I wasn't leaving room for God to do what he wanted to do because I was so ready to plan out what I thought he should do. And I learned how to become obedient to my mind rather than obedient to God. And you know what that caused in my life? Frustration. Because my problems were no longer listening to me. Because my problems won't listen to me. But I do know who they'll listen to. You see, what I began to see is this. And I began to see this in my life. You see, I began to, it's kind of like the story in the Bible about the pool of Bethesda. If you never heard the story, there's a story in the Bible about this person who was sick. And this person was sick, and the way the story would go was that at this pool, it's like a healing pool, every year the angel of the Lord would come down, put his finger in the water, and then the first person that jumped in, the first person that jumped in, will get healed. This person heard about this pool. Now, that's a pretty good pool, right? I mean, I don't know about you. But I'm getting crow's feet now. You hear what I'm saying? I'm not going to do Botox, but I thought about it. And uh, so listen, I'm joking. And, uh, and, 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 and so they heard down the street all this stuff was happening, heard down the street that there was healings taking place, heard in that, that God's power was moving. And this person said, you know what? If I could just get there, everything would change. Some of you said the same thing. This year, I'm going to take my vacation. I'm going to go creation. Some of you said, I'm going to take my vacation, I'm going to take my family, we're going to get there. Because you know what? There's something about that place with community and the word of God and the worship where I get, uh, I get recharged. And that's good. But you know what? It's more than just driving here and coming here for you to be able to have that happen. This person in the, in the Bible at this pool, you know, decided to get themselves in a place. Uh, how many people, I, I know that Joe said it yesterday, I... It moved my heart when she said this. Um, it, there's two things that have blessed my heart this year. Number one, my, my, my eagles have gone to the Super Bowl. And uh, I, don't, I don't know why I said that. I just wanted to say it one more time because I haven't said it enough. And, uh, so, and then number two, number two, um, I am a huge, I was a huge Star Trek fan growing up. I love Star Trek. I did, I did. I mean, I loved, I like, you know, Mr. Spock was the man, you know what I'm saying? I just loved it. And do you know what I liked about Star Trek? Here's what I liked about it, and I'll get back to the pool of Bethesda in a second. I liked it when they went into the transporter room, because I thought it was cool that they could walk in this little room, 
and they stand on this little circle, at least back in the 70s and 80s, that's the way they did it. And when they stood on it, that room, that people in there could send them anywhere they wanted to send them, if they would get in the right spot. Today I'm talking to you about the idea that uh, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, heart-wise, all those things, if you can get in the right spot, it's amazing where God can send you. It's amazing what God can do with your life. It's amazing what he can complete. It's amazing what happens when you become obedient because all the other things in your life that you think are your opposition, they become obedient too. So I loved it in Star Trek when they would stand down there and they'd be like, you know, Scotty, beam me down. And Scotty would send them anywhere he wanted to send them. And I'm here to tell you that God can send you anywhere that he wants to send you. In fact, Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me and I will answer you and show you great and mighty things you don't even know about yet. Do you know there's things about you that you don't even know about yet that God wants to reveal to you? But you know what? He's waiting for you to be obedient because once you're obedient, then you get ready. When you become obedient, that means you're getting in the right spot. Because he can't beam you from over here. Because if he beams you from over there, only one leg going. Do you hear what I'm talking about? And if you want to go somewhere, you want your whole self to go, not just part of yourself. I don't know about you. I never, when I was sick, I never asked God to partially heal me. I never asked God to kind of make me better. When I was sick, I wanted God to make me completely better. And so these, these guys at the pool of Bethesda, he's there. He realized that he needed to get into the right spot. And if he got into the right spot, boy, could God, could God do something. So he got in the room that the pool was in. Now, I got quite the imagination. So when I think like, when I think of the pool of Bethesda, I'm thinking like the pool at the Hilton. You know what I'm talking about, right? It's a little room with a little bit of space around it. It's too hot in there. And all around it, there's a little bit of space, and people are in there, and they're just waiting for the angel of the Lord to come down, put their finger in it so the guy could jump in. You know, it depends which version and which translation you look, but basically, this guy got there for th somewhere between 36 and 38 years. He sat there. Every year, he had a chance to jump in, and somehow, at least 36 times, he missed his chance. Do you know it's easy to become a spectator? And I want to talk to you about becoming a fan and a spectator as a believer. Here's why. Because, our, because when we get discouraged, when we get lazy, when we feel like we've been pushed out or shoved out or pushed down, it's easy to become a spectator in this thing. And never jump and get in the game ourselves. You know, some things in life you got to do just for you. There's some things in life that nobody can do for you. There's some things that I could do. I can make you a sandwich. I can teach you how to potty train a labradoodle. I can teach you how to do some things that I've been able to do. But there's some things you just got to get your own. Like when it comes to your personal faith. Listen, I can't pray the prayer of salvation for you. You got to get your own. You can't have my anointing. You've got to get your own. You can't have my calling. You've got to find your own. You can't walk my journey. And a lot of times, you know, people think because people have a microphone. Let me just tell you something. There's no difference between what I'm volunteering doing this week and what all these other volunteers are doing. Mine just requires to put me on a stage, but there's no different. God is using both of us or all of us in the same way. God is using us all in the same way. There is no better level of volunteer. We're all being used, whether it's the girls that are in the kitchen that give me the little white powder donuts, which I recommend it for communion. Just kidding. Kind of. And, uh, and or... Or, or if it's the people out directing traffic, 
We're all being used by God. And guess what? We all got problems. You hear me? We all got problems, all of us. And what we have to discover is, you know what? How long are we going to watch other people receive their calling and watch ourselves be sidelined? I don't know about you. When you go to the pool or go to the beach, I intend to go in. I'm sure this guy, when he decided that he wanted to get healing in his life, he wanted to get made complete in his life, he wanted a breakthrough in his life, I'm sure when he went to go do that, he intended, when he got there, to get in. But something stopped him. And all I can do to identify that, because it doesn't talk about it, is say, you know what, what has stopped me? And I'm going to be honest with you, I can list some stuff that has stopped me. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's fear. Maybe it's the anxiety that I've lived with my whole life. Maybe it's the depression that I've had since I was a kid. Maybe it's, maybe it's the, being a person with disabilities who was raised different and, and went to school different. I don't know what it is, but we all have a battle and we all have opposition. It's what you do with your opposition. Uh, today I'm doing pretty good. I'm doing pretty good on this uh, here at Creation, but you'll notice lots of times when I'm on stage, I've gotten better as I've gotten older, unless I'm tired, but you'll notice when I talk sometimes, I'll close my eyes and put my head down to the right. When I was a kid, because I grew up in a school where I was the only kid with special needs, and when I went to that school, um, every day at 11 o'clock, uh, a bus would pull up, and the side of the bus was actually an RV. The side of the RV said Gloucester County Special Services, and in the school I went to, because I was the only special needs student, Every day when the bell would ring at 11 o'clock, I'd, I'd walk that 20, 30 feet to that RV. And when I would walk that 20, 30 feet to the RV, um, I would hear words that would try to define me. Imagine being a kid, you know, in your sixth grade, seventh grade years, that's when I started going, where you're the only one that's like you. And the adults in, in your life only want to talk about what you couldn't go, where you couldn't go, what you couldn't be, and what you wouldn't do. When you're a person with disabilities, people usually try to define you by your disabilities. They look at you like, oh, I'm so proud of you that you even get out of bed this morning. And all of a sudden, then you think that's all you got to do. Because you're limited by what other people think you are because people's words can limit you. But today I'm not here to talk about what other people's words are about you. I'm here to talk to you about what God's words are about you. I'm here to talk to you about what he has to say about you. I said it last night, you're the head and not the tail. I'm here to tell you that you might have feel crushed at times, but you, you haven't been, you have not been destroyed. You might feel overwhelmed. But listen, Proverbs says it real clear, a righteous person falls down seven times, but he gets up eight. I played this little song, I played for my boy, and I'm going to play it for you. If you saw my little boy on the RV commercial, I brought him on stage last night if you were there. Um, when we go places, um, I very often, uh, he asked me if I'm gonna play this song. It's the song I play for him in the car. And I'm gonna play it for you today because I wanna tell you the same thing that I tell my son, and I tell my son the same thing that I feel God's telling me. Uh, the words of this song, even though they're not gonna be sung, are simply sung, you're amazing just the way you are. My son says to me, are you gonna play my song today? Because I'm in the car with him. And if, if you don't know who my son is, you didn't see the video, my son, his name's Vito. 
He's 12, he'll be 13. Um, he has a special superpower. If you don't know, if you couldn't tell, his superpower is called autism. I said this the first night, and I'll say it again for the other uh, parents of kids with special needs, because I'm a parent with special needs who's got a kid with special needs. Now, now I I'm being transparent with you. When he was born and we found out, moms and dads, look at me. I'm going to do this without crying. When we found out that he had autism, as a dad, let me tell you, I was overwhelmed. Not because I thought he was broken or because I thought it was bad. I felt overwhelmed because I felt like, I felt like I gave it to him. And then he's going to have to work this journey that I walked all of a sudden. And I didn't want him to hear the words, the, the words like I heard walk into that bus, the word stupid, the word dumb, the one I hated the most, the word retard. I didn't want people to put those thoughts in his mind because I know what it's like to fight myself out of those words. I know what it's like to try to see what God's words, I had a struggle to hear what God had to say about me because I let man's words get greater than God's words. And that 30-foot walk for those years began to tell me who I was and I began to believe what it said. I began to believe that I was dumb and I, listen, I never thought I was dumb until somebody told me that I was dumb. I never thought I was stupid until someone told me that I was stupid. I never thought I was retarded until someone brought to my attention that they thought I was retarded. And when my son was born, and if you met him, you know, he's sweet. If he was here right now, he'd just be walking up to everybody and he's happy. He found four people that are buying him frozen cheesecake every day. <laughs> he's funny. He's working it like a rib, you know, he's walking around, you know. And if he was here right now, he'd walk up to you right now. I said this on, on he'd walk right up and he'd say, oh, there he is. What's up, buddy? You here, man? Am I doing okay? I'm doing great. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Good job. I didn't even see you. Man, you snuck in on me, bro. <laughs> okay. He said, I sure did, bro. <laughs> he is here now, and if I would let him, but I'm not going to let him, he'd walk up to every one of you and find what's best. He'd walk up and tell you you have pretty eyes or that you got a great smile. He'd walk up and say, yo, I like your shoes or I like your hair or your sunglasses, and he would only find the best that's in you because that's all he can ever find. And lots of times people think that, and I said this very clearly, and I'm going to repeat it, I said it on, on, on Wednesday night. I often have times that people come up to me, referring to me and my disabilities. I, to, to make a long story short, you know, I, I'm doing pretty good today, but I have severe sensory issues. So whether if it's smell or sight or sound, I'm very sensitive to it. Crazy that I got this job because I got to find one thing to focus in on. Today it's the fan that's going back and forth in front of that sound, soundboard. And I focus in all on that because my world's really loud and I'm constantly trying to make it quieter. So if you see me close my eyes, it makes sometimes it makes people uncomfortable. It doesn't make me uncomfortable. You know why? Because I want to give you my very best because that's all I can do is give my very best. 
And my little boy, you know, what I've learned is, is when I go places and I'll tell his story, I'll tell my story, people will come up to me and they say things like, you know, I hope you get better or I'm praying for your son. Listen, my son, you don't need to pray for my son. He doesn't need to get better. He's not broken. There's nothing wrong with him. He doesn't need to get better. We need to get better. And if we could all see the world the way he sees the world, we'd live in a different world. Y'all hear me? A different world. I mean a different world, a world that's free of anger but full of love. In fact, Martin Luther King said, I choose love because hate's too great a burden to bear. He also said this, and I'm going to roll into my ending right now with this. He said, it's not the voices of my enemy, it's the silence of my friends that have hurt me so bad. And you know what I believe for our generation, even though people my age and older were turning the page? I believe for our generation that if we can just teach people to choose love, if we, I believe for our generation if we could stop becoming silent, I'm not talking with answers to questions but answers to needs. If we can start living love out loud and being love out loud, it changes everything. Remember, the title today is Our Oppositions, the things that the things that we feel are against us could actually be opportunities. Why did I decide to choose that today? Uh, Joseph in the Bible, if you know his story, you know that the, the story says, you know, they kind of, he ended up in a pit. He wound up getting sold into slavery, worked for somebody, got thrown in jail, wound up getting thrown out of jail. Bad story. In trouble, out of trouble, went from a good place to a bad place to even worse place, ended up in jail, then wound up being kind of like a governor in the land. And the story ends like this in the end of Genesis, and that's how I'm ending my message today. And I want you to grab a hold of this, because some of you are saying, well, you started with forgiveness, and then you talked about opportunities, and then you talked about obstacles, and then you talked about your kids. Well, here, let's bring it all together. This guy is Joseph. He's betrayed by his family. He's betrayed by his brother. He's rejected by his people. He's talked about. He's had obstacle after obstacle after obstacle. But you know what he didn't do? He didn't give up. He got a, had a dream. When he had the dream, they got rid of him for it. When they got rid of him, they sent him another place. And guess what he kept doing? He kept dreaming. When they got rid of him and threw him in jail, guess what he did? He kept dreaming. When they put him and they held him up and they asked him and they needed something, guess what he did to get out of the mess? He dreamed. And then all of a sudden, he's where God wanted him to be. But he went through all these oppositions and all these obstacles. You know what's crazy? At the end of the story, it says the land was in famine, people were thirsty, people were hungry, people had all these different things going on, and it says he's sitting there and they're giving out food and water and things to the people in the land. And he looks in the back of the line, and guess who's in the back of the line? The people that had something to say about his dream. Now the people that got rid of him needed his dream to survive. He was once dumb and small and the youngest and didn't know. And now all of a sudden, everybody in his family needed the dream that they rejected. And it says he's there and he looks. And I love the way it says this in the Bible. It says he looks in the back and it says they saw him, but they could not recognize him. I don't know if he grew a beard. I don't know if he because he filled out, got bigger. But his brothers were there, and it says they were in line because they needed help, and they were there, and it says they could not recognize him because, be, I guess because of time, because he aged. 
And here's what I want to bring this to today. If you can find forgiveness and grace and find opportunity inside of opposition, find opportunity inside of rejection, or find opportunity inside of disability, find opportunity inside of sadness and depression. And if you can find opportunity, you see, they couldn't recognize him. And I want to tell you something about Joseph. The people in your life that can't recognize your dreams when you have it won't even probably recognize you even when it all comes true. Because we don't live for one another. We live for him. We just try to make one another better along the way while we're living for him. Because we need to turn opposition into opportunity. Every day, listen, it's amazing. In fact, the Bible, what's crazy about that story in the Old Testament is that, is that it's so, it's, God's laid it out. You know, one day if you live obedient and we submit ourselves, he'll make a place for us at a table to eat in front of who? And you know what we're going to do as believers? We're going to give him our part because that's how we do life. I did a public school just about three weeks ago. There's a girl that I went to school with. She's two years older than me. She walked up to me when I got done speaking at that school. There's probably 1,600 students. And, uh, you know, I was, I was kind of chunky when I was in school, you know. And so the kids would talk about my weight a lot at the time. And I'll never forget, she walked right up to me when I was done the school, and she told me who she was, and it's been, you know, 30 years probably, 20, 26, 27, 30 years. <clears throat> and she walked up, and she said my name. She goes, Preston Sensuola? And I said, yeah. And this is all she did. She looked at me, and she's just like, who would have thought? And she walked away. And do you know what I did? I did what I do now when I hear anything. I kind of took it as negative. I don't know if she meant it negative, but I took it that way. And when she walked away and I saw her walking down the center aisle in the auditorium, you know what I said to myself? I said, who would have thought? God thought. And I want to tell you something. You know who's thinking about you? God's thinking about you. And you've got to stop letting what you think's against you and realize it's probably for you. You know what? I'm glad they rejected me. I'm glad I wasn't what they needed me to be. Because if I was what they needed me to be, I wouldn't be able to be here being what you need me to be. And you couldn't be what I need you to be. And we wouldn't be here together because there's no place I'd rather be than right here with you right now, sweating it out at 2 o'clock service on a Saturday at creation. Right? So it's not about what they should have done or what she should have did or what he didn't do. It's about what he's doing. And God will use you while he's transforming you. And the song that I play for my little boy, I'm playing it for you. You know why? Because you're amazing just the way you are. And you don't need to change anything about you. The only direction you need to go in. But there's a difference between you and that person at the pool of Bethesda. Stop watching. Everybody else get theirs. Get your own. Get in the game. Be the husband you're supposed to be and stop watching them on television and hearing about it in a book. Be the wife God's called you to be and stop reading about it. You don't need Joyce Myers to tell you how to do it. Get up in the morning, get your Bible out and start doing it yourself. You don't need me to tell you what to do because the Word of God already tells us how to live. It tells us to put on the armor of God that we can do bad or spiritually because what is what is against me God is greater than it tells me to put in the fruits of the spirit 
to give out love, to have joy, to be gentle, to be self-controlled. And it tells me everything I need to do and what I need to become. And can I tell you something? Uh, you know, I, I didn't have time to get into it and I got to end because my time's up. But what people didn't know was when I was at that school and I was going, what the kids at school didn't realize I was the only kids with, I was the only student with disabilities, but I also came from a broken home. And just because someone laughs on the outside doesn't mean they're laughing on the inside. Do you hear what I'm talking about? <clears throat> and so when they would say stuff, they didn't realize that I was barely standing on the inside. We don't realize, you know, there's life and death inside your mouth. We don't realize it. But you know what? If nobody else is talking to you, then you need to get up and get the word of God open, look in the mirror in the morning. I often share with students, especially when I do events with just students, in my bathroom, I, I, I have a Sharpie, and I wrote in the bottom of my mirror the word faith. So when I get up in the morning and I get out and I go to shave my head, shave my face, right across my chest at the bottom it says the word faith. So when I can't see it, I still know what's there. I remind myself what he did for me. I remind myself that he set me free. I remind myself of what he brought me through. And I remind myself, even though I might not see it, he's taken me to somewhere. And I do believe my, I do believe my, my days to come are better than the days that are behind. You see, I can't change what people didn't know was that I grew up in this broken home where my mom was sick my entire life with a terrible disease and my life was surrounded by this torment and negativity and sickness. And then I had all this pressure to go and, into the church world and try to act like everything was okay when it wasn't. And what I learned, with, learned as I've got older is all you ever have to do is be honest with people. You see, I can't change the way I came into this world, but you know what I can do? I can change the way I go out. And if you can change your attitude and find courage, see, life is 10% of what happens to you and 90% of how you respond to it. Life can be an ordeal or an adventure. That's your choice. And you can blame and complain your way out of things, or you can say, you know what? I'm choosing life. And I'm happy and blessed with the life that he's given me. And what's against me right now is making me better. What's against me is making me sharper. And it might seem like opposition, but you know what? One day that opposition is going to line up and need me. And you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what Christ taught us to do and what he did for us. I'm going to forgive. I'm going to set a place for him. And I'm going to give him my food. Because that's what we do. That's how we change lives. We just can't say we're a church. We have to build the church. And he said he's going to build the church and the gates of hell are not going to prevail. So what's he building in you today? I want to remind you, you're amazing just the way he made you. There's nothing broken about you. There's nothing that God can't use you, can't use, and that he will use you while he's transforming you today. It might seem like opposition, but it's really just an opportunity for the best of you to come out. So maybe he's squeezing you today. Let the best come out. Let love come out. Let joy come out. Let hope come out. Let opportunity come out. Let your power of choice come out. I said it this morning, you don't have to be great to get started. You just got to get started so God can do something great. And God wants to do something great in you. You should be excited about that. God wants to do something great in you. The choice is yours when you leave creation. The choice is yours when you leave this place. So let life bring the best out of you. Let Christ challenge you to jump in. Because you have to take your turn in the pool. I had my turn you got to take yours. Would you bow your heads with me? I just want to pray. Then I'm going to let you all go.
Father, I thank you so much that we could be together and look at your word. I thank you for the verse in Luke where it says, faith does not make things easy, but it does make things possible. And Lord God, our tomorrow is always possible because you're already there and you're in it. You've gone before us. Father, you've gone before us. You, you strike down our enemies. You go make a way. And Father, we're grateful, Father, that you've chosen us to be here as, as family, as church family, as, as the family of God at creation. I pray that we continue to make one another sharper. And that we won't look at what's against us, but we'll be encouraged by what's for us. We won't look at what we can't do, but we'll be grateful for what we can do. And we'll look at life as this beautiful adventure that you've given us. We exalt you today, Lord God. And it doesn't matter how many times we fell down, today we're willing to get up again. And Father, today, if some of the people are here and they've been sitting by the pool watching, I pray they'll realize that they've got to do their part and choose to jump in. Because you stand at the door of our hearts and you knock. And you're ready to go if we're ready to be obedient. And so, Father, I pray that we will become obedient because you want to do the extraordinary in our life. But you need our extraordinary obedience to cause that to happen. So, Father, I pray that each of us would find that obedience. We'd find the solution to be able to follow after you. Father, it doesn't matter what messes are around us. What matters is what you put in us, even if you're pressing it out of us. So we become our best. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. I'll see you all next time. God bless you all. Thanks for coming. Glad to see you here.